Hey, welcome to another episode of the E-Chamber Podcast. It has been a while. I don't know what the last episode was, but I'm here again, um, full transparency as I've shared in other episodes, um, young father, and I'm finding the rhythm between finding the good time to do things. Um, and I think I found a good time right now, so we'll see how that goes. I'm not going to promise anything, <laughs> um, but I think I'm back now and I have I've been I've been reminded about um, the importance of doing this. And so I'm here. Um, but today I'm going to be sharing a sermon. It's called Removing Negative Triggers. Um, if you don't know what a trigger is, not just when we talk about a gun, but in the psychology field, it are, there are things that you know lead to events and there are things that happen prior to that. And that is something we can define as triggers. I talk about it more in the sermon, but that's the sermon I'm sharing. And what I may be doing in the future now in the format is sharing a sermon, like a throwback of a sermon I did in the past, and then sharing a thought for the day, and then doing that vice versa, or versa what you understand. Anyways, enjoy the sermon. Take care. God bless. I want to read something before I get into the sermon, and that is from Romans chapter 7 verse 15 to 25. I'm going to be reading that in the ESV. They'll have it up there. Uh, of course, if you have a smartphone, you can just switch and do it quickly, uh, probably quicker than an Android phone, for those who have that. <laughs> Anyways, okay. <laughs> so, Romans chapter 7, verse 15 to 25. Spoiler alert, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. For those who aren't aware, it is um, Paul who is to believe who is the one that wrote this. For I do not understand my own actions. Period. That's, I don't know for some of you, but that's a sermon right in your own, own self. Just how many don't understand yourself sometimes? Okay, I got one or two. How many sometimes in your life have reached a point where you don't understand your actions? Okay, okay, getting better. Paul says, for I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want to do. But I do what very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I want <coughs> now if I do what I do not want it is no longer I do it but sin that dwells within me So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right evil lies close at hand for I delight in the law of God in my inner being but I see in my members another law Waging, um, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll read that again. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. My subject today is removing negative triggers. Removing negative triggers. I'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Too many to count. I truly appreciate this moment in time. Lord, you know my heart, heart, you know my thoughts. I pray you strengthen me. I pray you use me to minister to your people. You know it in every individual need. You know the challenges that everyone is facing. 
So, Father, I pray, even though I may say certain words, I pray your Holy Spirit minister to heart to heart and reveal the deep, deep truths that you need them to hear today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, I will prep you because this is a challenging topic for some people to be very transparent about. Because, spoiler alert, we're going to be dealing a lot with sin. Now, when you mention that word around people who are not Christians, it's a little bit easier, I find, to discuss things. But sometimes when you talk about sin, it becomes hard to do among Christians because everyone doesn't really want to admit that they struggle at, from time to time in sin, at least my experience growing up in church. Sure, you may refer to the testimonies in the past of what you used to do, but currently, we don't hear those testimonies too much. Don't look too nervous. Just keep <laughs> focusing on me. But I've lived long enough to realize that though you may look good, though you may come to church, though you may sing, I'm aware that people could be tied up in strongholds, challenges, addictions, all type of things. And I'm telling you today, God has sent a word for the person that is in here today thinking that God doesn't see and God doesn't know and you're trying your best. But I'm here to tell you today that God is not going to leave you alone in this struggle. And even though you may not be able to admit to your brother and sister or the person next to you, God sees your heart and he has a word for you. You see, I'm passionate about this because the many reasons, but specifically, I worked with young people throughout the years, and I've worked with young people who have left the church, who have been so overwhelmed with sin, feeling they could not get over it. And one of the encouragements I always try to tell them, if you knew everything, if everyone revealed their testimony and you revealed people from seasons have trials and struggles and people do things that they don't always proud of, if we could reveal your last, let's say, year on the screen, I don't know how many people would be confident. I don't know how people would feel good. I don't know if you would be happy if your life was a reality TV show. There may be some scenes that you're embarrassed about. There may be some things you're not too proud of. And I'm telling you today, even though we all experience that, we have a Savior who died on the cross, that sin does not have power over you, where you feel shame and guilt that you think you can't come to him. I want to think back to a time specifically when I knew that there was a situation in my life where there was one of those sins that just seemed to have me. You know, I, 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 I want you just to use your imagination and you think about the different challenges people face or maybe you use your own experience. You know that thing. It could be something small that you like to admit to everyone else. It could be something small as, oh, you know, Sometimes I eat a little junk food, or sometimes I do something, or it may be something that you dare not repeat to anyone else. Maybe your best friend doesn't even know. Maybe your spouse doesn't even know. But there's this sin that seems to have you in a different way than other sins. Certain things people fall, and you wonder, how could people mess up that way? How could people fall for that? But for you specifically, this sin seems to hit you hard. Am I preaching to anyone so far? I remember a season when I was in that situation. And like I said, this scripture, I read the Bible growing up, but this scripture specifically gave me so much hope and encouragement. Because when you know that it is Paul that wrote this, that many believe that it is Paul that did this, and Paul, at the spiritual level that he's at, if he could experience something where he described, it almost felt like he was reading my diary. Like if he could read my thoughts, this is exactly what I would write. And I was encouraged by that because at the end it says, I thank God for Jesus who can deliver him from this situation. So I got encouraged knowing that I can trust in Jesus. I got encouraged that though this situation's in my life, I serve a God that is greater. I got excited knowing that this would not be my end. So I kept reading that over and over again. I came to church. I heard the worship. I heard the sermons. I came to the altar. I prayed. I fast. I did all those things. And I read that scripture. I could quote it. It was, the, the, it was my 
it was my weapon, it was my go-to thing that anytime that situation arise, I read that scripture. Then a year or two passed, and sure enough, that same situation creeped up again. Now I'm wondering, hmm, well, I'm just going to turn it over to Jesus. And I did, and the situation still happened. And then I turned it over to Jesus, and still the situation kept happening. I don't know if anyone's following me so far. I may have only 5% left who, who's following me in terms of you've been there, but maybe others you don't. But I was still in that situation. And then in my work with youth in and out of the church and my experiences, I start to see something. And then I read another scripture that things became more clear, and that is Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 to 30. Jesus is speaking. He said, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is more profitable for thee that one of your members should perish and not your whole body should be cast into hell. And if your right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is more profitable for thee that thy one member should perish and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. So, hmm, where, where are we going with this? You see, like I said, in the field and where we talk about, you probably heard it in different forms, and there are different ways people use it, but in my way that I was interpreting it, I was seeing Jesus describe triggers. Somebody say triggers. Many of us, unfortunately, we understand guns. I don't like guns, but I understand the concept. Many of us know a trigger, and the idea that as soon as you pull a trigger, something internally happens in a gun, and then the bullet comes off. It is this reason why many um, in the psychological field use trigger, because sometimes internally and externally, there are things that we are exposed to that as soon as it happens, there seems to be a chain reaction that leads to a certain action. It seems the way that one could interpret this, that Jesus is saying, though your eye, your body, and these things are good, if it is causing you to sin. Now, it kind of seems odd, because how can your eye cause you to sin, or how can that be the situation? I feel as though Jesus is describing that chain reaction, that trigger point, understanding that when this one thing happens, sin tends to follow. When this one thing happens, certain actions start to follow. And Jesus is acknowledging that for some of us, we just have to remove that. You just have to remove the trigger. Now, for those who don't know, this is not meant to take in literally, if so, we would see some... You'd have some different people coming into church with eyes and limbs. He's more exaggerating, but the main purpose is understanding that there are some things in our life, whether we put them there, whether it's the enemy has put them there, whether it's society that has put them there, that has keep you in a cycle, in a pattern of sin. And even though you may serve God, even though you may come to church, you may be stuck in a pattern because you need to remove the trigger. Somebody say, remove the trigger. In the original text, it, when we talk about, it's Hezekiah where he is removing the high places, and that was a place, um, he removes high places, he removes different items, but specifically the high place was something, um, if we would describe, almost as an altar, and it was set up in a way in which people could see, and they would go and mostly, it's, it's, there was one or two occasions where you read in the Bible where it was used towards God, but generally it was the other nations and their false gods, and they would set up these high places. Now, you could imagine for us, maybe it's skyscrapers and stuff, where in the sense of wherever you go, you could see this high place. Wherever you can go, you can see this, and people can go to worship there. You follow me so far? Israel, if you read the Old Testament, if you know any if you really look deeply, you would see that Israel tend to have a weakness with false gods. I don't know why. Even though Israel had these clear examples of God, it seems as though one of the common sins and themes with Israel was them falling after false gods. And one of the things we see with God, God talks about removing certain um, images and things that would happen even before they came into the land. There are times where God decreed, just wipe out everyone. Just take out anything. Now, God wasn't being cruel, but God was understanding that Israel weakness, that when they were exposed to other gods, for some other reason, they would just fall into that. 
So rather, he didn't say, well, be strong or get a prayer war or support person. He's like, just remove this situation. Just take it out. And if you look, there are some cases in which the Bible says, and they did not remove the high place. And sure enough, Israel fell back into sin. Because it didn't matter how much they were reformed by God, if those triggers were still there, they could fall into those actions. Maybe not on every day, but a moment of weakness, a moment of stress, a moment of discouragement, that's when that trigger is activated and that's when that chain reaction. Are you following me so far? If you look deep into your life and you start to consider some things, you will start to realize it is possible that you may have some triggers in your life. It is possible whether you put it there, whether the enemy has it there, or for whatever reason it is there. And I want to get into some things a little bit more, but I want to encourage you today. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. If you still, if you, if you stay ignorant to that, you may stay in the cycle of sin, stay in the cycle of depression, stay in the cycle of something, and ask for God to deliver you. If you follow Israel, God delivered them from all types of situations. But we see here purposely, you think about it, why didn't God just get rid of this high place? No, because there are certain things we have to remove it. There are certain things that you are going to have to take the action and take it out of your life. Are you following me so far? My first point is it's going to require effort and wisdom. Somebody say effort and wisdom. So we know common sense, a high place, whatever structure, it's going to take some type of effort. Meaning that he was not just going to pray to God and expect it to just disappear. Especially when Israel sometimes were the one that built that. That it was going to take physical effort. It seems like a simple point. But sometimes we struggle between the work of God and the effort that we have to put in when it comes to your Christian life or when it comes to anything. God may do the work. No, God is doing the work. God created you. God uh, is um, opening up doors for you. And beyond what we see, you have to understand, in the spiritual world, God is always working. His angels are always working. You are not even aware of the demonic forces that are trying to keep you locked into certain things, trying to keep you discouraged, trying to keep you down. And you don't know that there is a war being waged on your behalf sometimes. And sometimes you feel you're all alone, but you don't know that there's a fight there. I just want to encourage someone who feels as though you're discouraged and feels that you're alone and you feel that God has deserted you. God has not deserted you. You may not see the hand of God, but the hand of God is working in your life. I have to encourage that person in here today or that person looking online that feels that you can't beat that, feel that the devil has outnumbered you, but as scripture has revealed many times, there are more that is for you than those that are against you. You have a whole army fighting behind on your behalf even though you don't see it. We see that it takes effort, and let me even go further, whatever sin the battle is already won. When Jesus died and rose again, he defeated all sin. He defeated all sin. Every addiction, every sense of wickedness that you see in the world, Jesus has already defeated that. Because Jesus defeated the, the category of sin. So everything, it doesn't matter if it's new, Jesus has defeated it. If you're struggling in some situation, Jesus has already defeated it. If you're strung out on something, Jesus has defeated it. You're afraid to admit it, Jesus has defeated it. I know it may seem tough and hard and you feel as though you cannot be defeated. It is a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus already defeated it. But it will take effort to receive that victory. I always thought it was interesting when you look in the Old Testament and you see that he says, I've given you the battle. I've given you the victory. God says it's already won. Now you have to physically go out and fight the war. And you see in other occasions where sometimes Israel didn't have to fight. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to war right now, if he says he's already won the victory, but I still have to go out sign up in the army, go, I would be nervous. I don't know about you. I would still be nervous a little bit because I would almost think, well, 
we may have the victory, but I don't know if I'm going to come out of this situation. I don't know if I necessarily go. I would almost say, God, this is just how I think. God, why don't you just wipe them out? Because for very different reasons, God sometimes says, you know what? It's not just something I'm going to do for you. It's something I want to do through you. There are so many different reasons, whether it is he wants you to learn about his power even more intimately, whether it is going to be a testimony for generations after. There are some things that don't happen quickly. Now, before I go any further, I will say there are some things when it comes to triggers where God removes it quickly for some people. There are some people who have testified with struggling with situations where God is sovereign enough where he allows that to happen. So I'm not here to put God in a box to say he can't remove it. I'm just telling you, he's not going to do that for every situation. Jesus said, if your right hand, your right hand is offending you, you pluck it out. He didn't say he's going to do it. He said you. All throughout scripture, we see that it's going to require effort. And when you think practically, you know it takes effort to go read your Bible. It takes effort to get up and pray. It takes effort to fast. It takes effort to do the right things. God is working on your behalf, but it's going to require effort. And many are the believers and people who are not Christians who get that confused and get discouraged when things don't happen quickly or get discouraged that it has to cost you so much effort to get certain things, but you don't understand it is because there's a greater blessing through that effort you put forth. Many of you will recognize some of the things you tried the hardest for you cherish the most. If it came too easy, you know, you may cherish it, but not. But the things you have to struggle for, you have to crawl through, you have to work for, those are the things that hold precious. Those are the things that it imprints into your mind differently because it took so hard and the effort is required. There are so many reasons why God may be allowing effort, but it is not for you to be defeated. It is for you to be victorious. Effort and wisdom, I attached those together specifically. I didn't want to make those separate points because effort can only take you so far if you don't know what you're doing. And this is one of the areas where, you know, I understand I love church and I, if you notice how my style is, there's a, if you want to say a motivational aspect, but there's always going to be a teaching aspect because I'm always concerned if I get someone excited about something and give no wisdom on how to deal with it. Because you can get excited, you can come to the altar, and then you go back into the situation. But if there is no wisdom attached to that, you will find yourself in the same situation. And many of you understand people who may put forth effort in different situations, but if you just attach a little wisdom to that, it would make the difference. It's not just a zeal. It has to be according to knowledge. If he just got excited and just didn't think wisdom-wise, okay, I'm going to take down some, but not others. No, he thought about that. And the reason why I'm talking about that is because when it comes to triggers, one of the acts of wisdom, and I want you to start thinking about it, is you recognize the pattern. Somebody say pattern. If you recognize, if you start to look at your life, and you start to see what are some of the things associated when you fall, or you make this mistake, or you make this sin, what are the patterns? Is it at night? Is it when you're stressed? Is it at certain people? Is it at certain things you watch? You start to recognize the pattern. The enemy wants to keep you in dark about this because as long as he keeps you in dark, he understands you can get excited. Been there, done there, got a, got a t-shirt. You could be excited at church today and before the week's end, you fall into the same thing because when you went home, you did not remove anything because it wasn't according to wisdom. And even when you try to, I don't know about you, you sometimes, when the enemy, when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit starts to convict you about certain triggers, you start to say, nah, maybe not that. And you start to not use wisdom. You use your own wisdom to try to justify it. But the wisdom I'm talking about is that of the Holy Spirit, where it brings true conviction to let you know, no, that's something that just can't be in your life. And the reason why I want to make that even clear, because if you look, if you look in the scripture, it talks about things that are associated with idol, but it makes something interesting. It talks about the serpent that Moses made. And you think, well, if Moses did it, that means it's okay. If you know the original story, it started out as a source of healing, but it was more a vessel in which God was using. It wasn't meant to be something that they worship. 
But something that started out good, and we know that Israel has that weakness, they ended up turning that into an idol as well. I described earlier where Jesus talked about your eye and different things because you may be thinking about those obvious things as triggers, but you don't realize it could be something good, but now all of a sudden in your life it's become a curse. It's become something that is triggered and associated. So the enemy may convince you there's nothing wrong with that. Your other brothers and sisters are doing it. So-and-so is doing it. Everyone, is, everyone has that in their life. For some people, you may be um, convinced that for a season in life, you can't watch TV. And you kind of think, that can't be it. I don't know what the situation is in your life, but the Holy Spirit may reveal something that seems innocent enough, but it is still a trigger point for you because it starts a chain reaction that leads you to sin. And God doesn't want you stuck in an area of ignorance that is where you're tied into sin and guilt and shame and you feel as though you can't free and you can't, and God is not delivering you. It is simply because maybe you're not operating in wisdom. That wisdom comes in the form maybe of a sermon, but it may come through other people who have been there, people who can testify, people who can reveal stuff. I'm so thankful for the wisdom that I got where some people say, well, let me tell you about that. Not just the surface information, but the details of that. Where it says, you know, Macho, this is something you need to do. This is something you need to change. And it was godly wisdom because you know how you're convicted when you hear it. You're convicted when you hear it. That's why, you know, I learned to not preach just for amens because I know I've been in a crowd where someone's preaching and I can't say amen, but internally I was like, oh yes, that's it. That's it exactly. You, I'm, I want to challenge, my whole thing is what is the Holy Spirit, even now possibly, revealing to you? That it seems almost like a nagging thought, but it's saying it's that situation. It's that thing. It's that situation that is dealing with it. Israel had to work with according to wisdom to be able to get free. Are you following me so far? The other thing it requires is patience. Somebody say patience. As I mentioned, and you're kind of following, we obviously, as believers, we don't believe in witchcraft and magic and that kind of stuff. You don't say Jesus' name and you're just expected as a spell. And some, I know some people, you hear different things out there and they almost treat Jesus' name like it's a spell. That they can just throw Jesus' name on everything and, and it's just going to happen quickly. And I'm, like I said, God is sovereign. He knows the sincerity of when somebody calls on the name, if it's something he's going to deliver them quickly from. But there are some things where it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. There are different reasons why it may take some time. It may be a high place that is rooted in childhood stuff, where something that has been ingrained since you've been a child, and when you look deeper into wisdom, you realize that. So if it's something since you've been a child, maybe it's not going to change in one service, or one fasting service, or when you read the Bible, or when you talk to one counselor, it may be something that takes time. I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to encourage you because some of you, you failed and you, um, you got back on and you failed and you got back on and you're, the enemy is convincing you that, you know what, it should take quicker than that. And that's not true. There are some people who struggle with things for years, for months. I'm not advocating sin. I'm just being real with it. I'm telling you, there are some people who struggle with things and the enemy would convince them, you're not a Christian and you should leave. That has happened. I, that has happened. I have people who left to say, I just can't beat this. Though there are round things that are telling them and they can come to church and feel the anointing, that's for other people. That's just not for me. But I'm saying it may take some time. It may take some time. And sometimes the pressure of what we present as perfection with the church, we convince people, if it doesn't happen quickly, something's wrong with you. And I'm not saying, like I said, we talk about wisdom, there may be things they're doing, but I'm saying that even though it may take some time, it took time for them to go to the different high places and take things down. It may take time for some of these situations that are deeply ingrained in your life, but you don't need to give up and be discouraged. You need to trust in God that even along the way, when you trip and fall, he's right there with you to pick you up and bring you along the finish line. It may take some patience and because, you, like I said, it's rooted. Another reason is, you may be honest, you don't, you're not ready to let go of it. 
<laughs> one of the breakthroughs that I had with someone is to say, when God revealed, one of the reasons why this is wrong is because you're not ready to let go of it. You can say surface, yes, God, I'm ready to let it go, and you can pray and everything like that, but deep down in your heart, the Holy Spirit can reveal to it, this is taking long because you're not ready to let go. You're not ready to let go of the situation. And then that's where you just got to be honest. Maybe I love this sin. Maybe I love this situation. Maybe I'm enjoying this way too much. And then know that it sounds like blaspheme to say that about certain things. But God knows in your heart if it's true. And when I revealed it, when I shared it, God's, God's like, I already knew that. This is new to you. And it became shocking because born, raised in the church from your 11 years old and all that kind of stuff. But I found that the shame we move because now me and God are honest about the situation. I'm honest with what's going on. I know that sometimes I feel it's because, no, you didn't operate in wisdom because you already knew. You were acting presumptuously with that. Can I, be, can I be real with that? Presumptuously means you set your mind to do it. Anything that, you know, there's some things that happen that happen quickly. But there's some things you have to plan out. You have to go. You have to do some things. I just, I just, I know. Right now the Spirit is like, I'm speaking to, if it's just one person, I, I, I know, I'm, I know you're hearing me. Some things, you planned it out. You took your time, you did it, and now the enemy is bringing that story back of trauma. Said, now if you were a believer, you had all this time to stop. No, it could be that it's a stronghold and you still love to do it, and it hasn't sickened you. The Bible reveals one time of, with, with, with um, the children of Israel where they were talking about, we don't want this manna anymore. And um, he said, okay, fine, I'm going to give you all the stuff you had from Israel. And they had it until they were sick of it. Can I tell you the testimony that some believers, I can even tell you, but some believers has told me, Macho, I got delivered by something when I got too much of it and I got sick of it. I can't even, I know there's not a lot of evidence, I don't know. There are some people, you, if you're honest, you only got sick of it. God's like, fine, you, you keep doing that and so you get sick of that. Maybe it is sick of its effects on your life. Maybe you got sick of the way it was hurting people around you. Maybe you got sick of how it was impacting your spirit. Maybe you got sick of just the way in which your life was becoming, your prayer life, your experience. Sometimes the deliverance comes because you're sick of it. And that's why the patients, they say some things you can't beat but you do outlive. Are you following me so far? Some things were situations of your youth, and some of my older saints can say, you just outgrew it. You just one day grow up and say, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. I just want to share all of these things because everyone's path is not the same. Everyone's path is not, I just pray to God and it just changed. Sometimes it is something where it is a road where it's rough. It's not as smooth. You trip and fall. But at the end, when you get through, you can stand and say, I was with, I, I stayed with it the whole time and God was with me and I got the deliverance because I stayed patient. Some things are going to take patience. And my last point is, some of it is going to require you removing the high place internally. The high place internally. So when we talk about triggers at first, it's, you can point to things outside, outside, outside. But as I mentioned with a gun, it's the triggers there, but really what's happening is what's happening in the inside. If you pull the trigger, and I don't even know how to describe it, but if the stuff doesn't happen in the inside, the bullet won't come out. It's technically anyone can worship anything. You can worship this. You can worship anything. It's not so much what this is. It's internally what is happening for you, what is going on inside of you. And in that sense, you have to remove that internally. And I want to read a scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5. Many of you know it, but I want you to read it with this understanding now. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity onto the obedience of Jesus Christ. We talk about that high thing and different things. Sometimes when it comes to that internal, it's, uh, the, um, we cannot remove every trigger. There are some triggers where we're talking about, maybe you're thinking about some situation, I don't know, maybe it's a friend, 
you can't remove that. I'm not talk, advocating you taking that person out. <laughs> it could be your spouse, I'm not advocating divorce. There are some triggers you can't necessarily remove physically, so then you have to remove the internal impact of what it's having. If it's a coworker, if it's something at work, it's some situations, before they had the high place, they removed it. Now, when it comes to adultery setup, you just need to drive and walk down the street, it's everywhere. When you put on your spiritual eyes, it is everywhere because this world system is set up for believers to fail. Sorry, let me rephrase that. This world system is actually set up for humans to fail when you look at it because the enemy wants the ultimate failure is for you to go to hell. That is his goal. And that's why the Bible talks about not loving the world because why would you love something that's trying to drag you to hell? That is what the system is set up. So we can't remove triggers as easy. It's like if you're not overeating, I'm not talking about going and, and tearing down the golden arches for McDonald's and just doing those things. There are some triggers you can't remove, but you can remove the effect. And that is well, that the difference that we have, that they did not have, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit who is a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit that is an empowerer, but we have a Holy Spirit that is a guider in all truths. It can all truth, and when you attach the Holy Spirit with things of teaching and wisdom and counseling, you can start to look at the deep triggers within your heart and in your life, and you'll be able to remove those things. And even though you may slip up, even though you may fail, you have the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, dwelling in you and empowering you and telling you not to give up and telling you not to give in. And even though the enemy has convinced you at times, you are not a believer if you did that. You're not a believer and you shouldn't be in church. The Holy Spirit is revealing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, not just the person beside you, but yours as well. And if greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, you can get delivered from any situation if you rely on the empowering Holy Spirit in your life. I want to reveal one trigger and then I'm done for, for me. I realized when I was looking on the outside that one of the triggers was an argument. You say imagination and arguments. It was an argument because sometimes it's an argument you know when you're, uh, you hear a lawyer present an argument and he says a certain argument and when it's a strong argument and the prosecution can't change that argument and the jury's stuck, it, it kind of stays there. There are certain arguments, whether it is the enemy, whether it is a bad experience that we have within ourselves. And one of mine was, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. I don't know, no. it just, it's like, it was, a, it was a CN Tower monument just set up. No matter what I did, there was this argument, you're not good enough. Failing the seventh grade didn't help that, because it just strengthened that argument. And other experiences when you failed didn't help that. I mean, anything simple from, I could play the drums and I could make a mistake, and people didn't notice it, but I noticed it, and then the argument said, see, if you were better, you wouldn't make that mistake, you're not good enough. Can I be real with you? you um, anything from you, 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 you ask a pretty lady on a date, she's not interested, it's because you're not good enough. <laughs> I'm just, I'm being, to be honest with you, I'm saying how the argument, like a, uh, like a lost, just followed me along everywhere I go, and it didn't matter what success I was experiencing, I was still feeling that. But as I kept going on and I gave it to God, I start to realize any area that I felt not good enough, God brought me to the next level. When it came to school, I was success successful. So it's like, what's your, what's, your, what's your excuse now? When it says, I can't public speak, became a preacher. What's your excuse now? When it says, I'm not effective with people, became a youth minister. When it says, I'm not a good CYW, got jobs. When it said, I can't get a hot wife, <laughs> <laughs> but I start to see it and the reason why I'm showing that is because eventually I just found in my relationship God God's like what what is your excuse what is your excuse now and I realized I was living a life focused on my problems and pursuits and not God not God so everything changed, I'm being honest. It's not that I don't have down days. Everything changed when I said, you know what, God? 
you are clearly with me and you've done all this and if the least I can do is help your people then I want to do that and I became burdened with seeing problems there are certain problems I see in this world I don't understand how people don't see it you become burdened with that and that became the focus and I said God I'm just gonna do whatever you want I want when I see you I say I tried Lord anything you ask me to do anyone you ask me to help I dedicated my life to try it because you've given me all these things that's the least that I can do I want to challenge you today that you're going to be struggling maybe your whole life in different areas in terms of sin if you don't have any issues with sin that means you're dead there's gonna be whether it's temptations but don't become so focused on yourself that you miss the purpose of God in this world you've become so focused as yourself that you can't focus on your children because you're focused on that you become so focused on yourself you can't focus on your co-worker that God wants you to help you can become so focused on yourself that you're not focused on the divine mission that he has sent you for and that is one of the biggest plots of the enemy to have you so tied up and wrapped up in, 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 in discouragement and shame off of sin some sins that you've been delivered years ago he still has that in your mind he's trying to slow you down because he understands if you ever accept the forgiveness and grace that God has put in your life if you ever walk with the Holy Spirit you will be a force within this world there are some young people that I grieve for that I know that God created them for a force in the world and they're out there in the world but I've purposed in my mind that I'm going to still drag them back in if I can because God has a purpose for them in their life God has a mission in their life and if you are listening in here today and the devil has told you that he doesn't have a plan for you I'm proof purpose today that when I mess up and thought God didn't have a plan he says all I need is your yes all I need is your yes all I need you to be willing if I'm God enough to do all this in the people in the Bible I can you use use you I'm not standing here because I'm perfect I'm standing here because I'm available I'm not standing here because I get it right all the time I'm standing here because I give my life to God I'm not standing here because I have a perfect prayer life I'm standing here because sometimes all I can do is cry and say Lord give me another chance use me again I will do right by you I will serve you the best I can Lord I've given you my whole entire life don't give up on me and God's like I've never given up on you those are thoughts of the evil I sent my son to die for you and whom the son set free is free indeed you are free from that whatever it is you're free from that you are free from that you are free from that when the enemy convinces you otherwise let him know I am free from that stand to your feet I like to pray and close I want to pray but the reason why like I said I stress I remember the other day I read um, a story of a pastor that committed suicide and me and Crystal I we were going over and reading the details and at first you're kind of like your first glance is like how does a pastor how does a pastor and then his wife revealed the internal struggles and challenges that that pastor was facing all to the end and people saw the public but didn't see the private of the hurt and the pain and the struggle and the getting back up today and that this man of God reached a place to say I can't anymore so I'm not naive I don't whether we want to admit in this church or globally it happens believers reach to the place where you feel this is beating me and I'm ashamed to admit that this is beating me because I think others are winning but People could be losing in different areas. It could, be your, it could be something as small as a finance. You may say finances, but you don't know. For somebody, losing in the area of, let's say, finances could make them depressed. It could be a, 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 a father here where it's you, you, you your, your, your father wasn't a provider and you said you were going to be a provider. So when you lost your job, it hurt you. 
in ways that you can't realize. They, people don't know you cried on your way home. It could be a woman in here, I won't forget you. It could be something as simple as someone, when they make the comment that you've gained weight, they don't know the body image issues that you've had since a child. And that one comment, now it's been in your mind for months. You remember what they said, you remember what you're wearing, you remember the tone, and you do that. And yes, you come to church, and yes, you're trying, but it's there, it's a trigger. There are so many things, if I would get into it, I understand, and one day I hope, I'm saying specifically as a church, and I know, I think I speak for the pastors, that we get to the place more and more where we can be transparent with each other. They were overcome by the word of their testimony, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Hearing someone say, God brought me through that, sometimes is enough for someone else to hear that. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm just going to open up the altar briefly. And if you're bold enough at this time, and even if you're not, I'm going to still pray that if you know that there are triggers in your life and you're at different stages, whatever it is, maybe you don't recognize it, maybe the Holy Spirit is convincing you, maybe you're not a believer in here today, I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to pray for you. I won't be long. I understand, I've been on both sides. I've been on the side where I said, the preacher is speaking to me, but maybe next week, maybe tomorrow. But if this is your moment right now, I challenge you to reach out to God. you think about that song and you think of the scripture of the blind man who saw an opportunity I don't know how long he was in that state but saw an opportunity to get deliverance and he shouted out you don't have to shout externally but internally I want you to just take a moment before I pray and say God internally you just speak to God tell him say Lord you know you know, you know the situation. You know the efforts. He knows the efforts you made. He knows those things. Just connect with him just before I pray. Just connect with him at this time. The Bible says even when you don't have words to say, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this unique opportunity in time. Lord, it is not my decree or of my own will. It is because you have appointed it to be so. There was a time before your son where those who believe in you had an experience, and there came a point in time when you sent your son to die. Lord, you are God of the appointed moments. You recognize the moments. Maybe this is many of others, but Father, we acknowledge this as a divine moment for somebody, for many people, who they are recognizing, not through my words, but I pray through you convicting them that maybe there are things in their life, maybe there are triggers, Maybe there are things that they didn't realize till now, or maybe they did, that it seems as though it just trips them up into sin. And we are not calling it anything else but sin. We are not calling it a struggle. We are not calling it an issue. We are calling it what it is because we want deliverance from it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we cry out to you, Lord Father. We recognize that even though we have to use our effort, even though we have to use wisdom, we understand we cannot do it without you. Lord, we need your help. Father, we understand without you we can do nothing. We are, some of us are tired, we've tried it our own way, and now we are ready to try it to you. We turn ourselves over to you. We understand that it may take some time. We understand that it may be a process. But Father, as long as you are with us, as long as you are in the vessel, no ship can sink. So Father, right now I pray that your Holy Spirit touch every individual at this altar, even those online who can't come to the altar, even those who are sitting down, who internally they're saying, me too, Lord, but I just can't come out to the altar. I pray you minister to them. I pray for individuals that people are thinking of that are not hearing the sermon, but they're thinking about them in their situation, and they're thinking, man, I wish they could hear that message. We pray you minister to that person even so right now in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord Father, because we know you died for them to be free. You died, you suffered, you bled for them to be free. So whom the Son set free is free indeed. We pray, Lord Father, that the spirit of freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is leadup. We pray for against every stronghold, every chain that the enemy has had. We pray, Lord Father, for deliverance. We pray that you set them free. We pray that there is a difference in their heart. Even if they do it again, there's a freedom in their mind. They recognize, I don't have to do this because of what Jesus did. We're praying for deliverance. Deliverance, Lord. Freedom like never before. Let when they leave this place, they have a newness in them. And when the devil brings thoughts to their mind, let them stay the course, understanding, no, he died for me to be free. So I will embrace this freedom because he suffered. I will embrace it. We pray for support. We pray for you cover them with people around them, godly counsel, wise people that will fight the fight with them. We pray for wisdom and understanding in area. We pray for, we pray, Lord Father, you healed trauma, Lord Father, unspeakable trauma, whatever the challenge is, big or small. We pray for deliverance right now. And we thank you, Lord, for visiting us today. Visit us this moment in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Just as I go, I encourage you, of course, in that um, as Marlon comes, I encourage you, of course, that if you feel, if you, if, you, if you start to go and you challenge the sincerity, I challenge you to ask God somebody that you can share with. Everything I've experienced in life, every mistake, there's somebody that knows. There's somebody that knows. As I stand on this altar, there's somebody that knows. There's somebody spiritually holding me accountable in every area of my life. There's somebody that I can call and say, nah, it doesn't feel like a good day right now. You're not alone. Make sure you tell someone. Okay? God bless. <laughs>